0: You're listening to The Christian Single Moms Podcast. This is The Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I want to thank you for joining me for this episode today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through And what that means really is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, of power, and of purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. When it comes to parenting alone, I know that I need as many tools in my toolbox as possible. And having different strategies and different perspectives helps me to navigate just the variety of situations that come with the different ages and stages of our kids' lives. And feel like I have something that keeps me grounded, something that keeps me from getting too emotional or too frustrated. And so today, my guest is Daniel Huerta who is the VP of Parenting at Focus on the Family. And Daniel wrote a book called Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. Daniel's take on parenting has been very instrumental for me, especially actually in the last few months because his perspective is so much about what a win in parenting really is. It's not in producing perfect kids. And I know that many of us as single moms know we're not going to produce perfect kids, but we try and get like as close as we possibly can. And Daniel's perspective for us is that the win really comes for us when we can look at imperfections and see them as opportunities for us to show God's love and to point to his goodness. And that a win for us is not in producing perfect kids, but in pointing our kids to God's transforming love and power and influence in our lives. I actually had a really sweet parenting moment that occurred just within the last couple of weeks and it centered around some things that I learned through reading Daniel's book. Daniel talks a little bit about ways that you can influence the culture in your home and speak into your children's lives and one of the things that he talks about is having a journal to write to your kids in and they can write back to you in. And so I was very excited. One of the weekends that my kids were away, I went out to the store and I got all these, you know, journals and pens. And so when my kids got home, I thought this will be the time I'm going to show them their new journals. And I just felt this pause, like, oh, nah, they're too excited. It's not really a, it's not really a good moment for their hearts to be stirred. <laughs> and so I waited and I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll do it the next morning. And The hustle and bustle just got going, and it was not a good time again. So I thought, all right, okay, well, maybe I'll I'll find another time in the evening that I'll get to show them these new journals. And so I had an incident where my oldest two were bickering and not getting along, and I had to kind of step in there. And as I had separated them and was speaking to one of my children, the one I was speaking to began to berate themselves for – choices that they had made that caused the disagreement and the bickering and just start to say really hurtful things about themselves. And interestingly enough, the first journal entry I wrote for both of my kids was talking to them about their gifts and their strengths and the things that I see that are wonderful about them and how I had prayed for each one of them to be brought into my life and that they were an answer to prayer. And that that meant Not only to me, but to God that their life was special and they had purpose. And so in the middle of this child just berating themselves for how they had chosen to act, I thought, ah, this is the moment. So I pulled out the journal and read the passage that I had written to this child. And my child turned and said, Mom, I did all these bad things. How could you do something so nice for me? and i said this is the way that god sees us this is the way that god loves us and this is the way that i love you and so it was a really powerful exchange and it took that time that we ordinarily might just discipline or we might you know correct a behavior and really stirred up my child's heart and those are those moments i don't look say that to point to myself as i'm such a fantastic parent i'm just so thankful that there are parents who are a little further up the road, people like Daniel who are able to write down the wisdom that they have gained and allow me those opportunities to just apply them where they just pop up. And so if we're looking for those opportunities, then they become really powerful moments. So in this conversation, you'll hear more from Daniel about ways that we can approach those teachable moments and how we can reach into our kids' lives in really practical but also very transformative ways. As we get going today, I also want to point out the fact that in parenting and in these struggles that we might be going through with our kids, so often that can drum up these feelings of loneliness. That if we're having to discipline a child on our own or if something is just not going right, that we so often would say, oh, if I wasn't doing this alone... And loneliness is something that is a big part of our experience as single moms. But in understanding our loneliness, we can actually understand ways that we can work through it to experience fullness in our life and relationships. And so the first step to doing that, I have a quiz over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz, and it's called What's Your Loneliness Type? And it helps you to understand the basis of some of your own personal experience with loneliness and how to work through that. And again, if you'd like to start that, the quiz is available at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. As we launch into the conversation today, I do want to tell you about Daniel Huerta Daniel oversees focus on the family's initiatives to equip mothers and fathers with biblical principles and counsel for raising healthy, resilient children. He's a bilingual, licensed clinical social worker, and he addresses issues related to parenting, such as communication, conflict resolution, spiritual growth, discipline, stress, anxiety, depression, media discernment, and healthy sexuality. He earned a master's degree in social work from the University of Denver Graduate School of Social Work and has a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. And he's currently working on his doctorate in psychology at California Southern University. He has maintained a private practice in Colorado Springs since 2003 and served as a board member on the El Paso County Mental Health Association for almost four years. He and his wife Heather have been married since 1997 and have two children, Alex and Lexi. Daniel has so many very practical strategies that you can take from this conversation and plug right into your relationship with your kids. And so I just pray that you'll be inspired as you listen. Here is my conversation with Daniel Huerta. Daniel, thanks for joining me today. I am very appreciative to have you on this episode. Parenting is something that I feel like I can never learn enough about. Mm. And doing parenting on your own is something that is just a whole different ballgame. And the more resources we have, the better. And I got so much out of your book. I love that you have practical examples of things that we can do there to actually try some of these things out. They're not just sort of these tips in the clouds, you know, but they're things that we really can grab onto. But I also like that you start off with a lot of encouragement. And one of the things I really resonated with at the very outset of your book, you say imperfections help us learn how to love and be loved. So I'd like to know if you would start us off talking a little bit more about exactly what that means.
1: Michelle, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. It's a great invitation. It's an honor to be with you and to be able to talk about the topic of parenting. And uh, what a perfect topic to, uh, to, to to lead us into the topic of imperfections. Parenting is filled with that wasn't supposed to happen moments. Uh, and that means our histories that we bring in and also moments with our kids. And when we bring our imperfections, it allows for Uh, love to be at its fullest and at its deepest. If we were all perfect, we wouldn't need love. Uh, It's very easy to love somebody that's being perfect. But in those imperfections, we get to uh, be patient. We get to practice the fruit of the spirit, self-control, gentleness, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, right? All those things, love and, and it brings us into a depth of our soul to connect with someone else. And when we recognize when somebody has loved us in our imperfection, it creates an opportunity for connection. And so God has created it that way. It's created an opportunity. He, he's created opportunities for us to attach in moments of imperfection. And we don't always step into those in a very clean way, in a very good way, uh, many times imperfectly. And the good thing is that God began a ministry of grace uh, and forgiveness and bridging, and kids are very forgiving when we're willing to come forward and say, I'm sorry, and and then you don't repeatedly do that, but it gives a connection point, point uh, and I'm so excited. I, I love to talk to my kids about our imperfections and to remind them that we all have them, and that creates the beauty and uniqueness in a person, and it means that we need God. And we need to depend wholeheartedly on a heavenly father filling in those cracks.
0: I love that. You said that imperfection is an opportunity for connection. I feel that so many places I've gotten parenting wrong in the past is because I was trying to do it the right way or a certain way, or it's supposed to look, my kids are supposed to look a certain way or I'm supposed to look a certain way. And it's really in those vulnerable moments of being able to show acceptance or receive acceptance just right where we're at, that that really is where you experience that power that God has in our lives. Yeah,
1: naturally, Michelle, naturally, we, that's a vulnerability we have as humans. We want to have it all together. We want to look great. And uh, parenting wasn't meant to be done in a solo way uh, alone. And that, that brings Mm -hmm. up a, uh, you have to bring in your your top a game if you if you can right uh, mm-hmm. because you're trying to do the jobs of two people as you're speaking into your kids lives and that can feel so overwhelming and then you start to compare to others and you start to feel guilt and you start to feel shame and that works against you and really if you can accept your imperfections and see those as invitations and that you're invited now to speak into your kids lives the best you can then it transforms your mindset. And you see moments, as many invitations that you get to be a part of the best you can with the emotional energy you've got in that moment. And uh, you just, you you do the best you can. It doesn't mean you just step back and go, well, I guess I can be imperfect and I'm just going to disconnect. It's about being intentional, being transformed along the way, along with your kids.
0: So often, I think we focus on being the best there is instead of being the best we can. Yeah. So I feel like you just sure. gave me a little permission there. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else you talk about at the outside of your book is um, that a parent's role, that it's not just one role that we fulfill, that we have sort of these mini umbrella things that, we, that our behaviors kind of fall underneath as yeah. contributors, encouragers, and influencers. And I wanted to know if you would talk about those roles and the distinct importance of each.
1: Yes, uh, contributors. I, I picture those as investors, uh, and I want to set up the analogy, and maybe we'll we'll use it throughout our interview here, Michelle. And that's picturing ourselves as cities. And this may take just a couple moments to set up, but, but bear with me and just use your imagination. And let's say a mom is a city, a dad is a city, and that city's been built over time. And there's thing, there are things that have been built in there, and then there's a museum. Uh, a person's history, things that have happened in their past. Some people open up that museum very readily. Some people close it up and leave it closed. don't want anybody to want it to, to come in and, and learn about their history and, and come into the museum. And then you have rough places of town that people come into. You have uh, fun places of town and then you have uh, maybe the more mundane. And But the fact is that you've had investors in that city that have built you over time. And then you connected with a spouse that was built over time. You had highways over time that were built and then that was broken. And in that process, you built little cities uh, that where you had little dirt roads and over time you built highways and now you have two separate influences. There's brokenness. And then these kids have multiple messages. Maybe a, maybe a spouse passed away. And so they have disconnection there or a spouse chose to leave and abandon the family or is still connected. So there's multiple factors that potentially could be impacting The kids' lives in their cities. But within us as parents, we get to be investors in our kids' cities, in their lives. And that means investing our time, our energy, our talents, our attention. And that's contributing to their experience as children and as children of God. We get to contribute to what their experience is like on this earth and their experience with a parent. You know, the question is, what's it like to be with me? And I get to contribute to that. Then the next one is encouragers. These are, uh, we need those in our lives. These are people that build with their words, with their actions, with their nonverbal affirmations. These are the encouragers in our lives and our kids need those. And as parents, we get to build a lot with our words, a narrative, we get to talk about the other spouse and other people around in words that are life-giving and set up a culture that is life-giving and that is building and we get to model that with our kids. That's what we can control. If the other spouse is not doing that, that's up to them and that's their culture in their city. You get to set up your own culture. And then the last one is the is the the, the part of connection. How do we create connectedness in our home? And that's the hard part for, for a lot of single parents. They're so busy trying to uh, meet the financial needs and provide for the home, uh, have enough energy left over to connect attentively and with energy and with excitement, create some fun, some laughter, make dinner, vacuum, clean, all those different things, a lot of hats to wear. And how as a parent, do you create moments of invitation of connectedness, not only together, but with a heavenly father. And, and that's not to put pressure or shame. It's Hey, let's every day you get a sunrise and a sunset and you get to try your best at creating a connectedness between you and your kids and then the master architect of all these cities and roads to create a true deep-rooted connectedness with your kids, regardless of what other influences come into their lives, because there will be other ones, but you can control your own highways, roads, your city, that influence into their cities. And so we get to be part of the rolling credits, the, 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 the builders in our kids' lives, and what a wonderful invitation, whether single or married, uh, you, you, as a single parent, you have a, a grand invitation within the kingdom of God, and you get to play three very, very distinct roles in the building of your child's city.
0: I like this analogy, and I think especially because as a single parent, you realize that there has been destruction in that city, in informing that, and there's a lot of overcompensation or guilt or whatever it is that we experience because we, we identify, I feel so often with that destructive part of our stories. And I like what you were talking about as far as building our own culture though and taking our opportunities to connect where we can because the fact is we are in a rebuilding mode and just because there has been some type of disruption in the building and maybe even destruction in the building process doesn't mean that we have to stay there. And that we can develop our own culture, even if, as you said, the other house is doing something differently, it doesn't mean that now that's the end all be all. We still have so much that God's given us in our own influence, and our own space with our kids. And if we just recognize each of these three roles in that building and rebuilding process and how they look a little differently, that we actually then can feel excited about this rebuilding process instead of feeling like, oh, I'm just trying to make up for lost time, you know, or, or, you know, I'm just trying to fix what's already been damaged and, you know, just slap a band aid on it, you know, that it really can be a restorative mm-hmm. process.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like an earthquake hitting a city and then you're, you're coming in as a parent and, and recognizing that. And for many families that I work with in my counseling practice, I've been in that for more than 20 years. Uh, and this has been a very common topic, a single parent coming in after the aftermath. What do I do with my, with my family now? How can I handle it? I don't feel like eating. I don't feel like doing anything, and I have to take Mm -hmm. care of my children. And its uh, I have them draw out this city analogy, their city, what has happened, so you get a visual, and then the kids can participate and add to what has been built in them, but also what has been destroyed in this process in their city, and then what's going on in the roads between the different parents and their friends. Teenagers have many more roads coming their way. Mm-hmm. And then, what are they wanting to intentionally rebuild and build in their lives? And then, as a parent, you talk about that, leave that visual up and continue to see as it's building. And part of that spiritual growth, part of it's mental health, part of it is, you know, how are we going to handle technology and entertainment? How are we going to, uh, what are the building blocks to your development as a child, your character? What are we going to build? Uh, what are those? Uh, uh, everyday patterns you want to have, the habits that you want to have in your life, and it, it gives a visual to work off of as a parent as you're building and rebuilding, and if they can talk about it as an earthquake, that it's not permanent, there's a rebuilding and a hope. It makes a big difference in the ongoing conversation between the, the parent and their children.
0: That's really good, and I grew up in California, so I get the earthquake thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> entirely. Yes, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Daniel, your your book is called Seven Traits of Effective Parenting, and we're going to dive into a few of those. You mentioned that the first trait is adaptability. And in the book, you mentioned that that is one of the most valuable traits, but it also happens to be one of the most elusive. And I know as a single mom, I totally agree. So I wanted to know if you would talk a little bit about what makes this trait so elusive, but then how as single moms, we can actually go about cultivating it.
1: Well, stress tends to create a very rigid mindset, right? Things should be this way, they need to be this way, I need to gain control. And adaptability is about being able to to have a flexible mind to allow what has happened to happen, and for me to adjust to that, and to make decisions on it, not, not trying to wish it differently, but to really see what is there and begin to to have a flexibility of mind to recognize it. So if my child is upset, they're crying, they disobey. I don't say, well, my man, this child always disobeys. I regulate that allow for my mind to think that my feelings to be upset, but then I flex my mind to go into that child's city and to understand what's going on there so that I can now respond instead of react. And in the moments of stress, stress tends to bring out bad parenting. Even the best parent, you could say, oh, you're the number one parent in the world. You give them a huge amount of stress and they'll be a bad parent. That's just the reality of it. So we have to learn how to manage stress well. And and that's part of adaptability of recognizing what's going on in my life. What are my limits? What's my number 10 in stress when I'm completely, absolutely stressed out? And what do I need to do to calm down? my stress level how can I do some self-care stuff so that my mind can bend and reset for the that wasn't supposed to happen moments uh, I remember I remember my daughter spilling milk at a very inconvenient time and usually that's when these things happen right She spilled milk it went all over in and, and, and my my wife's papers I uh, got some stuff and and my daughter looked at me and uh, crossed the table and then said, uh, she, she could see that, that I didn't I was about to say something, and then she said, that wasn't supposed to happen. And, and it, it, was, it was like a word from God to me. It's gone, yes, that's true. A lot of things weren't supposed to happen. What am I going to do about it? This has happened. It wasn't supposed to. But since it has happened, what do I need to do now? And so then I need to look at the big picture, flex my mind so that I catch up to what's needed in the moment. What does my child need in this moment? Uh, Does does my child need guidance, correction? What is actually needed? Because the last thing your child needs is shaming and neither do you. And so Mm -hmm. what is needed in order for there to be that contributor, encourager, influencer type of moment where you're connecting, you're influencing your child in a certain way and they're gonna see how you handle stress. And sometimes we need to let go of certain things one big one is a clean house, a perfect house. We don't need museums. We need homes that are relational and many times it means that are gonna be messy moments, and that doesn't mean you're a good or bad parent if you have a somewhat messy house.-hmm,
0: I agree. <laughs> well, and we did I did an episode with Joni Debrito all about self care and how important it is for us to manage that stress load. Proactively and on a regular and daily basis, that we're taking good care of some of the natural things as far as sleep and eating, but then also some of the sensory type things, just enjoying and being present in the moment so that when those moments that are not supposed to happen pop up, that we're a little better equipped, even in the case where we're doing things on our own and our stress level might be elevated as it is, but that taking that time, then you're more aware of your feelings. So then as those feelings come in, and I liked what you said, that you're just accepting it and then moving forward. We're not shaming ourselves. I love that you said that, not shaming ourselves for it not going the way that we thought or for having the feeling. We're just acknowledging that it exists and then deciding what to do about it moving forward.
1: And you know, it's interesting, Michelle, just real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. some of us tend to have inflexible personalities naturally. And that makes it even more difficult because it's harder to see things from uh, multiple angles. Other angles, very black and white thinking. And sometimes uh, single parenting forces you more into that inflexible thought because you're having to make all the decisions for the house. So you have to mm-hmm. be structured, rigid, organized. And then these moments require that you go to the opposite side. And, and with personality differences, you can find yourself in a huge conflict when you have an inflexible personality child as well. And then you have two inflexible uh, people coming against each other, trying to make a very stressful moment work. And so realize that that is one element. If you can picture a rubber band or tape it up somewhere and picture both of you guys working on being more flexible and asking the question, is there another way to look at this? it's that simple question. Then what you're doing is allowing your child to to learn from you to look from a different angle, because everything has a new perspective to it. That's why we needed four Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to give us the full story, Mm Jesus' story. So we know that there are multiple ways to look at a moment. And so if we allow our child to, to practice that, and we practice it and model it, it gives the opportunity for problem solving, adaptability of the moment to solve it rather than being rigid and staying in conflict.
0: I think you're right with the personalities. And I think so often we forget that our kids are sometimes getting some of those traits from us. And so yeah. what we're, <laughs> we're struggling with is potentially a version of ourselves in a miniature form. <laughs> yes, yes. And as that relates to respect, so that's one of the, the other traits in effective parenting is respect. And I know parents across the board struggle with this one. But again, being a single mom and not having that person in there to back you up to say, you need to listen to your mother, you know, and that sort of thing. Respect feels very difficult for us to have the ability to even sometimes model, but then to, to pass on to our kids in those challenging moments. What do you think are some ways that we can do this? And especially I get a lot of questions from women who are dealing with teenagers and preteens who are a little bit more apt to push those boundaries in pretty significant ways. I, I thought that was awesome. In the back of your book, it talks about the, um, Challenges by age.
1: Oh, yeah. The specific,
0: yeah. <laughs> the, oh my gosh, that just when it shows like eight to 12 year olds will do this, I was checking off the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: Yeah. So
0: I wondered if you would just elaborate a little bit on respect, especially as it relates to that age group.
1: Yeah, respect is a tough one because it's about managing you. And sometimes emotions can feel very contagious or be very contagious in the moment. So if a child comes in with disrespect and anger, we we feel that we have to overpower, and that somehow uh, we're going to need to become upset in order to regain power, which which makes the assumption that power is up for grabs. And and you're making that assumption. It really is. You're still the parent, and and their emotion doesn't have to become yours. They don't have the same regulation potential that you do. And so, being aware of what the moment is really about. And so your role as a parent is to show respect by asking questions. Hey, you know, what do you mean by that? Help me understand that more. I can see you feel very, very strongly about that. I, you're not feeling the, the heat of your feelings right now. And so I'd love to understand that better. What is really your goal here? Are you, are you, is this a request or is this a demand? Because if it's a request, I certainly can talk to you about it. If it's a demand, uh, maybe we can reschedule this conversation for another time. And, uh, and what you're doing is showing that their emotion doesn't have to be contagious, you're, you're under control and you're, you're aware of your own emotional world. Again, watch your city as separate from theirs. If they're rushing in with tanks into your city, it means that you're saying, hey, this is our city. We know that, um, that, that we've already, we're prepared for this. You're aware of your city. It doesn't mean that they can come in and destroy your city and that you have to fight back you just say, hey, I'm here just to teach you, to guide you, to love on you, help me understand what you're wanting. What do you need from me? And uh, that's a wonderful, disarming question. And many times, teens don't even know what they need. They're just really upset and angry. And you can say, wow, that's got to be tough to have that many that many emotions. Um, I feel hurt by you disrespecting me. I don't feel respected. and uh, But I do love you, and I want to really hear your heart. And maybe this isn't the moment to do it. Uh, let's let's go ahead and reschedule that. It seems that you maybe you're not ready to talk this through with me in a way where we're going to connect. And so you're not needing to solve it or react in that moment. You can always say, hey, you know what? This is one of those moments where I'm taking a time out and I need to go think a little bit because my brain's running around the room and I'm, I'm not feeling like I can really respond to, to, to where you're at. And so what you're doing is just really showing that you want to hear their heart, but there's a certain timing and a certain way that you're approached without having to react to it.
0: I like the way that you're talking about disarming them, I think, because so often we get sucked in. And you're talking about that respect comes from the power's not up for grabs. This is not negotiable. This is is not even something I'm going to give away to you. I have it and I want to use it for your good. If you tell me what you need, I'll be here for you, but I'm not going to allow this destruction of cities, you know, this war to go on between us because you want to throw a missile at me. I'm not going to launch a grenade back at you, you know, and and you're right. Sometimes we think that that's, I'm going to get my respect by retaliating basically.
1: And the hard dynamic, Michelle, with this is that sometimes the disrespect is coming from the other spouse through the child. And, and you feel very minimized as a single parent in that moment where, where you know where it's coming from. And you're feeling like you need to assert, I need to be respected. And respect over time will be seen on how you emulate the fruit of the spirit. God has set it up that way. If you show self-control and poise, and you show that you're going to respond with love, your child will catch up to that and will recognize which parent is not doing the loving thing. And they will begin to to shift that in their maturity towards attaching towards a parent that's showing that loving flow of relationship. And just the reality, most of these conversations come when a parent is under stress. And so I talked about stress brings about bad parenting. This is a great plan. It sounds perfect, but in the moment, it's kind of like a football play, right? You have the play and it doesn't always turn out that way and you're having to call an audible. And so what you want to do is put up, Uh, a sheet of paper for you where you have at least five timeouts for the day and in the moment your kids see it and you can say hey guys you know what i need a timeout i need to regroup a timeout is about regrouping looking at the plan right and so you go over and you mark it and maybe you go to the bathroom you lock yourself in there look in the mirror kind of coach yourself what would you tell yourself in this moment uh talk bring that brain back into place you come out of the bathroom And, and then you say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Maybe we're going to talk about it now, or, Hey, we'll talk about it in an hour. I'll put the timer on. And, uh, but the timeout shows that timeouts are very positive. Even when you put a child in timeout, that this is about catching your brain. And I need to catch my brain. Sometimes it's not about punishment. It's about, I'm seeing your brains out of control and I need to model that. This is a perfect place because usually it's in a place where you may throw a tantrum yourself. And so you gotta find a way to be mindful and 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 aware, reflective, and figure out where do I stand on this and, and how can I gain respect by showing that I'm gonna be self-controlled.
0: Well, and in that you brought up the fact that there are these two separate houses very often that our kids are going back and forth in between, different sets of rules, and that though there can be some stressful and, and somewhat volatile situations that come from that. Mm-hmm. And In that, though, I kind of want to move into the next one about intentionality and that you describe intentionality as something of determining the things we can control and doing something about them. And in this instance where there are these two sets of rules or two households, not always do we have the ability to control everything. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel that we can go about determining what are those things that we can be intentional in controlling more or less versus the things that we maybe just need to focus on having influence over?
1: Yeah, it's great. Great question. And it's a very important one. Uh, in in a matter of where there's two different households doing things completely differently with the older kids, have them articulate what, what the differences are in the cultures of the two homes. What's your mom's culture, your dad's culture? Put that up so you can see the differences. And then you as a parent, um, recognize that you you have control, first of all, over you, how you model things, how you show love, how you show boundaries, the choices and decisions you make. Uh, you, you get to have input on, on the food you're going to have. There, there, there's certain real estate that you have control over. You have influence over your child's city. You can't control them in order to keep their love. You have influence over them by the way that you manage you into their city. And over time, they'll accept that and, 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 and it'll be flowing back and forth. You don't have any control or influence over that other house. Uh, that's, that's separate where they're going into, but as they come back, you're still setting up your culture. You can have control over who uh, contributes into your city, uh, still. And so that could be mentors and counselors that help you process those differences and, and, and uh, to in a mature way uh, manage those so you you're not uh, you're not talking about the other house in a way that's uh, damaging to the kids uh, as well where you you're using them as your emotional confidant you're you're still loving them you're you're pouring into them and and helping them get a different culture influence in their lives and you can have a control over what movies are going to be watched, how technology entertainment is going to be consumed. If there's a phone or social media being allowed in the other home and not yours, uh, there's, there's perfect uh, ways to put boundaries on there where you're not here to make your kids happy, but you're here to guide them and they may see you as the uncool parent. That's okay. Over time, they'll see that what you're doing is helping them in life, making good choices, making good decisions, and uh, it may require that you meet with a counselor that helps reinforce what you're saying and, and helps create that, risk, that, that respect of those boundaries that may feel uncool, unfun, uh, you know, outdated. Uh, but what you're doing is really, truly a loving thing. And that is, I'm not doing the easy thing to make you happy. I'm making the hard choices that may create conflict now, but are building something amazing for your city for your future relationships to go well, so that when the earthquakes come, you know how to rebuild and to continue building so that you're not destroyed by those earthquakes.
0: I think the thing we get so caught up when it comes to control as well is that we feel like that earthquake process is happening too young for our kids that mm. we do know that there's a point where they're going to be equipped and sent off into the world without us but it feels like it happens so much younger that I'm equipping you to send you off into the other parents house potentially and I have no control over influence control or influence over what happens there just as I want when you go away to college or, you know, leave the house or those kinds of things. And so I think it's just always having that understanding though, that while they're with you, the amount of influence that you have is still going to go with them. It's not like it just stays in your house and then it's gone when they leave and then they come back and then they're back under it. That influence is something that isn't equipping that they take with them as they're going between the houses and not something that is only under our purview, when they're in our eyesight, that I think leads us into that tendency to want to control. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Usually the the bad control is the one that's driven by fear, whereas the healthy maturing control is driven by uh, maturity, intentionality, teaching, and guiding, because you'll see the difference. One is you're trying to control everything so that nothing bad happens. The other one is seeing Bad things are probably going to happen, and I get to be invited into those moments, those imperfect moments, to help guide, teach, love, uh, so that there's continued growth. Uh, the imperfect moments bring opportunity for growth. And so, yeah, it's it's a hard one. Out of If you look at your emotions and what's driving the need for control, it can give you a lot of insight on whether or not it makes sense to step into that controlling moment.
0: That's really good, because I don't think it's fear that would cause us to say, for example, you like having a bedtime for example that's not i'm not doing that because i'm afraid i'm doing that because that's for your good but if i am overstepping in some cases certain things because i am afraid or if i'm letting my preference become now something i'm legislating on you because that's what makes me feel safe then we may need to revisit that have yeah. another look at and that and it could be
1: anger too right you could say hey mm-hmm. you need to take this toothpaste to your to your mom's house or your dad's house And really, do we need to have control over that? Uh, Is Mm -hmm. that something we have to have control over? Is that some way to get into that other house to control it because we feel some sense of spite or anger? Uh, Or there Mm -hmm. there are many other things we could probably say as examples, but usually it's the emotion the undertow of the emotion that gives us a lot of insight as to what we're doing.
0: Yeah, that's good. I'd like to take a momentary break from our conversation to tell you about our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available to you through an app and you can schedule video sessions with a counselor or chat with your counselor to just talk about some of the things that might be influencing your parenting and your experience with your kids. So often I have found that by taking care of my own needs and my own struggles that I'm able to be so much more available to my kids and that I have better Tools to help them with their struggles. If you have been thinking about Christian counseling and would like to give faithful counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. In the chapters about love and boundaries, you talk a little bit about our discipline styles and being too permissive or too strict. And I know a lot of us, we talked about this a little bit about having maybe a really rigid mindset, but then there's also that side of us that may tend to be too permissive that we're just tired. We're worn out. There's a digital babysitter right here. (laughs) You know, it'll be fine. Like, so we, we often as single parents struggle to figure out our style. And I think sometimes it feels like it's up for grabs on any given day. Mm. So with that in mind, how do you think we can, can do something that feels consistent, but then also feels like it is working with our kids' personalities and with our own?
1: Wow, that's, that's good. That's the seven traits. The seven traits is a balance of the two, where you're having a high level of warmth and sensitivity, uh, and then a, a high level of, of uh, rules and demandingness. And you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a fine balance and a very difficult one. And permissive parents... Are, are very common in divorce situations because they feel bad for their children. They feel bad that their child's going through this and, and they feel that compassion means I'm going to let my child, I just want him to be happy. I want him to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's not a destination. That's actually super damaging and creates depression and anxiety in a child's life. Or narcissism, a narcissistic type of child because all you're trying to do is create happiness. They need to determine whether they are going to be happy about something or not. What you need to do is is give them experiences of relationship with you. And sometimes that may mean that you're a little bit more lenient on something because they've gained trust. And so if the if the goal is to gain trust and, and trustworthiness in your children, they can know that they'll have more per, the more permissive side of you as a parent because you're giving more trust to them. And that's appropriate because they're growing up. And then on the more rigid side, if you're not being trustworthy, I'm gonna be a little bit more on the rule side because I wanna guide you and I'm concerned about you and I love you, and you hug them and show that sensitivity, but you may have to ramp up that that rule and demandingness, especially with the kids that are very impulsive. And then on top of that, you add stress, and then you have you have a child that's just not making good decisions. And so as a parent, you adjust to the trustworthiness, the maturity level of your child. And, and uh, that requires for you to be all in. And that's that self-care side where you see this is going to be a season. It's temporary. You have invitations. If you can shift your mindset to invitations and know that there will be a Monday or a Wednesday or a Friday that you don't do it right. Uh, that means you have a Saturday and a Sunday and other days that you, you can do it right. And there may be days that you're exhausted and that's totally all right. That's where you call in, uh, help, you know, you can ask for, uh, for help. Don't be afraid to do that as a single mom or dad, uh, so that you can regroup and be all in on this particular thing, the balancing of the two that research has shown that the balance of, of, of the two, the, the sensitivity, warmth, and love and demanding and some rules is ideal. You get a very good results regardless, of the circumstances, divorce, uh, death of a spouse, any of those things. If you as a parent bring that, you're bringing the most amazing gift to your child and you're working so hard to maybe buy Christmas gifts and birthday gifts. Hey, work hard at this because this is the most amazing gift you'll give your child, uh, in their life and in the building of their city
0: that helps me tremendously to think of trust as the benchmark, Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes I'm not able to put my finger on exactly why in this situation, I feel like I can let up or why I need to be stricter with one child versus the other. And they often call that into question. So why don't you let me do such and such, you know, she gets to, or, you know, vice versa. And I think even for their understanding, We do talk a little bit about responsibility, but I think trust is so important for them to grasp that this is actually something you can earn, that this is something you can do something about and you get to then reap the benefit of that or not, depending on your choices.
1: And with kids that are, and that's perfect right there, that what you just said, Michelle's is the choices and what you can do with more visual kids, more creative kids is show that continuum of trust. You know, you, the, the little, you can say, hey, you're at like a six out of 10. I'd really love to get higher here. And here's some things you can do to be building trust with me between us, between our cities. And then maybe a child is close to a nine and you're saying, man, your decisions, I love the way you're doing decisions. And it doesn't mean you're loving one or the other. You're just showing, giving feedback. And then a child makes a poor decision. You go, hey, we just went backwards a bit on trust. It's okay, but we can rebuild. Here are some things you can do in a practical way to rebuild trust between us. And gives that tool so that they can have some feeling of control over how they can get you to be a little bit more permissive and giving of that trust.
0: Even if in the cases where they don't grab right onto it, I think the thing I've learned is... You don't grow weary. You don't stop just because they didn't get it or they don't right. want to get it right yeah, now. doesn't mean you stop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's a process. If that's our tendency, right? <laughs> want results right now. But yeah, that's you got to right. and, and, and keep trying it, right? Yeah.
0: It's like, we're all so used to like metrics and checking it off the box right. and, you yeah. know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and our
1: scorecard, parenting. right?
0: Yeah. 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 Parenting is not that. <laughs> uh, something else I thought was great. So as we were moving down the list, it would talk about gratitude being something else that just influences the temperature of our home and our ability to send our kids off well into the world and as i said you have all these really practical examples in the books in the book of exercises and things that we can just do and you talk about taking pictures mm. as a way to develop gratitude and i love that you mentioned that this could be actual photos or they could be digital mental pictures. So I wanted to have you talk a little bit more about that and how that helps to cultivate gratitude.
1: Yeah, I love pictures. And, and I think sometimes we skip over the fact that we get to see different things when we pause a moment and we get to uh, take pictures of life. And in the messiness of that moment, whatever it is, when we pause it, we can see it with gratitude and slow down enough to be thankful for the invitation to be a part of that moment, regardless of how messy it is. And sometimes you'll see people fighting and they say, hey, picture, and then everybody's smiling, right? And they want to smile for that picture to capture something positive in the moment. And mentally, what we can do is take pictures along the way in gratitude that whether good or bad, uh, there are moments that we were allowed to be a part of and to enjoy. And sometimes, especially with teenagers and preteens, I hear a lot of parents say, man, this is going way too fast. I wish I would have slowed down and enjoyed it. And something we do with our physical pictures in our home is on New Year's, we try to bring out the pictures from the year and we go back and remember. Um, and we can remember events from how we want to remember them. We can go back and say, hey, remember we did this, we did that. And in the new year, you, you, you shift your mind towards gratitude because it helps, it helps reset your brain. Gratitude is a way to press the reset button for your brain. Your brain is so easily triggered, it can, it can get off track, it can get stuck on stress. Thoughts can go there, impulses can go there, but gratitude has a wonderful way of resetting the brain. And so that's the real estate you have control over, your mind. How are you gonna interpret moments? Gratitude gives us the opportunity to interpret the pictures that we've taken, whether in a moment we remember or actual physical pictures and then looking at them from the multiple perspectives of people in those pictures. I, there's so much potential with that. Sometimes I'll, I'll picture moments with my, with my kids. I'll stop and I'll just pause the moment and I'll just take a picture in that moment and say, what do I love about this? And uh, my daughter and I have been working on a sheet of paper um, that uh, we're writing as many blessings as we can find. Uh, this is my daughter, Alexi. She's 15, and it's above her bed, and we reflect on, hey, what's the new thing today that you discovered, that I discovered, that we can be thankful for? What picture did you see today? And sometimes it can be as simple as reading stories, being able to read a certain food that she tasted or I tasted, and, and we picture it together and, and say, hey, this is what I'm thankful for. And it's, it's just to reset the mind for her before she goes to bed. And it's a great reset for me at the end of the night uh, as I shift my mind towards gratitude and what God has given me that day rather than on the things that did not go well.
0: I think that's something that we as single parents struggle with a lot and our kids struggle with is feeling like if you had a life before and then it changes Mm. is now looking at the future with all kinds of uncertainty and fear even. And I noticed that my son specifically really loves to look at family photo albums. Mm. And for him, you can see him light up when he thinks about the fun and the good things that are happening even around us, even still. And that that sense of adaptability even and resiliency just grows as they do realize, okay, we do have good things to be thankful for, that we're not just always focused on the discipline and the stress and, you know, that kind of stuff that there, there are those enjoyable times and we're capturing them intentionally so that we can revisit them. And then it just gives a better sense for the future that there are good things that are happening and that we don't have to be afraid.
1: Yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, here, let me just, uh, if I could read something real quick. Yes. If, Ephesians 4, I, this captures my mind on this gratitude piece, because we know that uh, Paul faced uh, some big, big moments. And uh, it says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says, I therefore prisoner for the Lord. This was when he was in prison. He said, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so we we are called as parents to... Uh, to speak into our kids' lives. We see that in Deuteronomy, right? That we get to teach God's love, God's principles to our kids. That's what we've been called to do. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. And he goes on to talk about being grateful in all circumstances, that he's learned that. Gratitude is a learned trait, to help your mind catch up to how God is seeing your life. God is inviting us to moments of growth, moments of relationship, moments of brokenness, to transform us. And we can be grateful for those because it allows us to grow, but also to learn what it means to be loved and to love. And that, that is a building of the soul to the depth that nothing else can do. And so with gratitude, if we help our kids shape their mind of gratitude, including sending thank you notes to the contributors, the encouragers, the influencers in their lives, all year long, it helps them recognize relationships, moments as as things to be thankful for, as invitations to be transformed rather than inconveniences. And it begins to create the mindset for them that they are contributors within God's kingdom story. They're not just consumers here waiting to see if life is going to bring them something good. They're contributors to God's love. And in the process, they're transformed. And they're a part of the creation, God's creation that continues to unfold that he began a long time ago. What a role and a unique invitation each child has. And as they're grateful, it lines up their mind with God's mind.
0: Wow, that's really good. That just—I'm <laughs> listening to that, and I'm thinking, like, how empowering really gratitude is when we think about that. That it—it it takes our our messiness, and we're transformed in it yes. because we know God's using it all for our good. And I think I just love the example, though, of being able to take photos. So I think that's another thing that kids really enjoy—is that creative expression. And it's just so neat, though, to—we won't be able to teach a kid with that. In words, but that they could still feel it and experience it by this creative outlet.
1: Yeah, and you know what's what's interesting with some kids, and do this with your kids if you if you can. Have them each have if they have a a phone or a little camera. Have them take pictures either on a trip or throughout a week, and then come back and say, "Hey, what did you see?" the 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 the, the idea of the pictures is take pictures of what you see and then tell me what you see in those pictures. I want to hear your story. It'll tell you a lot about what your kids look at when they tell you about the pictures they took and their Mm -hmm. perspective on the pictures. And then you say, oh, you know what What I see is this. Did you see that? And then it it begins to help open up their mind that there are multiple ways to even look at one picture. Mm -hmm. Even though it's the picture they took, you're seeing from a different angle and it gives a a richness to the story and the conversation of the week that just went by.
0: I love that. I am going to try that. (laughs) Daniel, I appreciate so much of just the the hope that's come from this conversation Mm -hmm. in being able to take some of these ideas and just re-up, you know, in my parenting skills. And I ask every guest at the end of the interview the same question, which is, if there's just one thing that you wanted every single mom to know, what would it be?
1: The one thing would be... This has been transforming to me as a dad. See every day filled with many invitations waiting for you to unwrap. Just open those up and step into those, whether it be a conversation with your child, whether it's serving through washing dishes, see it as invitations rather than inconveniences. And it's very energizing when you reset your mind to stepping into new invitations that haven't been open before, even though they feel mundane and repetitive, it's a new invitation and it's about the transformation that takes place within those invitations. And, uh, would, if I, if I boiled it down to one way to think about it, it'd be resetting the mind to that because then it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. It's an invitation. And, uh, and, and it really, brings you into the moment from a different place. And that's what I would recommend for any parent out there today.
0: That's good. I really like that. Thank you. Daniel, I wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit more about where we can find your book and then also discuss just maybe some of the additional resources that Focus on the Family has for single parents.
1: Yeah, uh, a great place to start. And it's not even uh, really, you can buy the book through that, but I'd love for parents to start at focusonthefamily.com. Uh, forward slash the number seven, and then traits. And you can take the assessment there. It gives you some feedback. You get emails sent to you. Uh, and you can grow with that without even buying the book. If you But if you want to buy the book, I put a lot of uh, practical tools, as you said, very intentionally yep. to make it a resource for parents. Uh, and those were from years of, of counseling and working with families. And that, that one, you can buy through that. Uh, there are plenty of places to click on it and then buy the book. I I do a Facebook Live as well on various topics uh, through our Facebook page at focusonthefamily.com. And we just recently did one on social social media and we'll do some more on that uh, next time. But we try to touch difficult topics and I'll be doing some of the seven traits here coming up on Facebook Live as well.
0: Great, and I will have links to all of those in the show notes. Daniel, you mentioned wanting to close us out with a blessing. So I'd like to have you
1: do that. I would love to do that. And I, I, can I mention two more resources? Oh, for sure, yeah. All right, that's permission. The other mm-hmm. one, there's there's three magazines that, that I love for parents to use as a tool for conversation with the kids. There's Clubhouse, which is for eight to 12-year-olds. There's Club Junior uh, for the younger kids. And you can have spiritual uh, teachings through that. And then jokes and all kinds of great stories to read together as a family. And then there's Brio for teen girls. You can journal and and think through in their spiritual growth through those magazines. And then we have, of course, Live It It Challenges, where it's Live Your Faith Challenges through bringyourbible.org. And you can take challenges all year long to grow in your faith. And it gives you some intentional tools to work with. But here's a word of blessing for the parents. And this is found in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, and then verse 16, if you want to pray this over your family as well. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. I love that word for the parents listening, steadfastness of Christ. And then now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. And I just uh, want that word to resonate in your mind steadfast. God is a steadfast, loving God. You can be steadfast, and may you find peace in whatever circumstance you find yourself in because of that steadfast love from God. Thank you so much, Michelle, appreciate being with you.
0: Thank you very much. I have a library of Christian parenting books and Daniel's is a welcomed brand new addition to that collection. If you would like to purchase Daniel's book, I'll have a link in the show notes for you to pick up your own copy of Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. Also, if you'd like to get connected with other single moms to talk through some of the things that you might be working through with your kids or just in your own life, Agape Moms has a private Facebook group called Beloved Collective that you can join. If you just go to Facebook and look for us at Agape Moms, you'll click on the groups tab there and you can submit a request to join the group. Additionally, if you would like to join us on Instagram, you can find us there at Agape Moms. Additionally, to help you put into practice some of the things that we're talking about here on the podcast from week to week, I've created a weekly video devotional that allows you to look at these topics in a little more detail and spend some reflective time thinking about how you might want to put some of those things into practice. If you'd like to receive notifications when those videos become available, you can subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel. And as we're talking about subscriptions, I want to thank you for subscribing to the podcast and for your rankings and reviews. They certainly are an encouragement to me when I get to hear the things that God is doing in your life through the discussions we're having here on the podcast. But... It also helps other women to see the things that they can grow in and learn as well to see those. So if you have done that or if you would do that, I just appreciate that so much. And I'm very happy to be on this journey along with you. I hope that this gave you some encouragement in your own parenting journey today. And I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.